Welcome to another episode of War Stories. I'm Tom. I'm Chuck. And uh, we have a returning guest, which I'm excited about because uh, he's going to be able to, I think, speak to the topic that we have planned, which uh, has generated quite a bit of uh, online discussion on our Instagram page. Uh, But uh, he has a unique perspective because he is formerly of the California Highway Patrol. Uh, Welcome back, Dylan. How are you, brother? Doing good. Doing good. Enjoying my uh, new transfer out to Texas. So. Yeah, I was gonna. T- I was gonna say it, you've uh, you made it successfully out of California, like so many others. And uh, how do you enjoy Texas now? I'm I'm enjoying it. It's good to be back. Um, me and my wife. Pro cop. Huh? More pro cop. Yeah, well, especially the community that I'm working in right now. Um, they're like above and beyond um, pro cop. I mean, you. Every time I I come across someone that lives in my community, they're, you know overpraise overpraise about how much they love our department and you know how glad they are that we're there doing what we're doing it's weird what happens when you go to a place where people appreciate law enforcement and how it just completely changes like like I, i'm not even a cop anymore but i moved to a place where everybody is very pro law enforcement very pro cop very appreciative and the vibe is just so different yeah you know it really is especially from coming from California, let alone Southern California. Must be a nice change, you know, like just going to work and knowing that your department has your back. And well, I don't know about that. I wouldn't go that far. <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, a lot of it's it. It's still a department. <laughs> yeah. I know that this way, like our community, like they would be there to back you with lawyer fees. That's how much they care about you. Right. Wow. Right. Yeah. That's like, awesome. So it, That's and they're very supportive. Like, they even put a foundation together for our police department, um, a second foundation where they've raised this year, $300,000 plus wow. for our foundation. Just on so, their that's cool. Locally here, the, the local police department had an officer killed in the line of duty. Um, I think it's the only one in their history. And uh, you just can't, you can't swing a dead cat without finding a car with his call sign um, the sticker for his call sign in the back window, not like, like there's no way that all of these people are law enforcement related, right? That there's so many cars and you see, you know, you'll see like what you think is like a beater, you know, warrant wagon or something. And they'll have this sticker on and you're like, Oh, okay. <laughs> you know, I mean, it, they may be, they may have a warrant, but at least they're supportive of a fallen officer. <laughs> right. They might go to jail, you know, willingly. Yeah. They'd be like, yeah, I have a warrant. It's fine. They won't fight the warrant. Yeah. Exactly. Well, welcome back, man. I'm, I'm so are you tell as, tell us as much as you can, or you're comfortable with about your new agency. Is it uh, is it state? Is it County? Is it city? So it's a local city. Um, okay. The way that it's designed, it's, it's not one city. There's three cities that um, came together and basically created. Um, like one a joint police force. Yeah. So it's like they originally were split between like one police, like having individual police forces. And then they're like, you know what, let's put our money together. We'll create one police department. And initially the police department did cover two other cities, but there was some politics crap that happened where the mayors wanted to have, you know, a big swing dick and, you know, I thought they were important. Yeah. So we split off and we cover three, uh, three cities is in our jurisdiction. Um, and it's, it's, it's a smaller department. Um, it's a very like niche area. Like, I mean, dude, like the average house is probably $5 million. Really? Wow. Yeah. And that's, that's in Texas. <laughs> so that's like, that's like the Beverly Hills. Of yeah. Texas. Like, yes. Dude, they make Beverly Hills look poor, bro. Like, I see why you went there. <laughs> yeah, totally. <laughs> that that totally. was, a it's all like that. ranchers and oil barons and shit. Yeah, exactly. Do we have like every, I mean, Houston has the largest, um, largest amount of fortune 500 companies uh, than any other city in the United States. And right. every CEO of those uh, fortune 500 companies lives in my jurisdiction. Oh, wow. Oh. Yeah. Well, I mean, yeah. at least it, you just have to worry about pissing one of them off. That's really the biggest. <laughs> Luckily I work at night right now. So, so you don't see I don't them. run into them as much. <laughs> Very cool. 
Very cool. Welcome back. We wanted to have you on because the picture that we posted um, that kind of started this whole conversation was of uh, a, a highway patrolman, a California highway patrolman. And it was sent to me. Chuck, Chuck found it through various ways. Have you seen the picture we're referring to? No, which one was it again? Sorry. So it's a highway patrolman standing there. It looks like with another highway patrolman on the side of the road. And he's either, you know, taking notes or writing out a, a scratching at its site or something like that. But he's got a high and tight. However, it's not buzzed it's pulled back and in a tiny little top knot ponytail yeah right you've seen this yeah yeah it's a it's the littlest (laughs) tiny man it's not even a man bun it's like a man cupcake or something um i was able to confirm that by the way yes we were able to confirm it's a real picture um now this spurred a larger conversation chuck and i were talking about uh how there's there's been a push at some agencies and uh, California Highway Patrol is one of them to relax grooming standards, um, and we thought we would talk about it. So how, how, let's let's start with how you are intimately familiar with the California Highway Patrol. <laughs> with my previous experience of being one, <laughs> yeah. Um, I mean, <laughs> when I started, it was like well, my first experience with the Highway Patrol obviously dates back to. When I was born, my dad was a highway patrol officer for 30 years. So I kind of got to watch on the sideline, the progression of how highway patrol actually kind of was starting from like the eighties. all the Yeah. Way up until John to modern day. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. And what we came to now, um, as far as grooming standards, uh, you know, like when I was there, they were trying to kind of change things up a little bit. Um, you know, they, they approved like, uh, you could do cornrows, you could have an Afro, you could, um, you, you can have your, the length of your hair can be whatever you would desire it to be as long as it doesn't touch the top of your collar. Now, right. was it only for like the, the cornrows and the Afro? Was that only for a specific culture? Or was that for everybody? Everyone. Dude, one of the guys I worked okay. with, because he thought he was going to be a smart ass about it, because we all knew what it was meant for. Designed honestly. to do. Right. right. Who, it was, who it was supposed to be more so to allow. You know, and so one of the guys I worked with, he was white and he was like, screw it, dude. So he grew his hair out as long as he could. And then he went and got his hair cornrowed. Oh my God. And I was like, good for you, dude. <laughs> yeah. So that was one of the things that we've been seeing is that the people are pushing the limits. Now, you, you're rocking a goatee right now. Does that mean your department allows patrol officers to have a goatee or are you just yeah. on vacation? <laughs> we can have, you can have a full beard. Okay. Yeah. Really? Grooming standards, we can have a full beard. It just has to be um, presentable. Right. You um, can't have like a duck dynasty beard. Yeah. You can't have it super long. I mean, I have, we have a couple guys that have, you know, pretty decent beards, but they're, they're, they're cleaned up and, and look yeah. good. Um, they're not, they're not necessarily anti like tattoo, but they, the chief that we have right now, he's been, he was a former chief for Albuquerque PD and he had been through some situations <laughs> where there was lawsuits brought up for some officers that had visible tattoos that were um, law enforcement related, especially like the Punisher tattoo, right? Um, things like that, that kind of came to bring some issues for him. So he kind of was suggestive of, hey, if you do have a tattoo similar to that, I'm not saying you can't show it, but maybe don't show it. Right. Um, now, there's a policy against it. On, on the CHP, while you were there before you left, they had relaxed, started relaxing the grooming standards and people were doing silly things to just be a smart ass. But did they, uh, did it change anything regarding tattoos or were you still supposed to keep them covered? How was that? Yeah. Tattoos were still covered. Um, I mean, they used to be where you couldn't have a tat. They wouldn't even hire you if you had, you know, tattoos in certain places, but now you could have, you know, full sleeves, everything. But if you're working, you can't have, you have to have a full length, you know, sleeve, uniform they have to be covered up wearing your uniform yeah it has to be uniform it can't just be like you know a a skin like a skin colored sleeve you can't do that you actually have to wear long sleeve uniform the whole time what about beards and like facial hair no beards unless you're in like a special investigations unit that's it okay so so my policy was old school right it was yeah my policy uh at our department was old school it was short conservative men's haircut for men um 
And then women had to have their hair pulled back into a French braid or bun and short nails, uh, conservative makeup. And, you know, uh, men could not have facial hair. They did not have a tattoo policy when I got there. Hmm. Um, and of course, it, I've got I've had visible tattoos for years and I was prepared to wear a long sleeve shirt. I had to wear a long sleeve T-shirt in the academy. However, my department didn't have a policy about visible tattoos. So, you know, me being me, I wore long sleeves every day throughout FTO. And the only people that saw that I had tattoos were people that just happened to catch me when I was changing into my uniform in the locker room. And then when I got FFTO, I wore short sleeves because there was no policy and waited until somebody said something and nobody did. Then an officer who was senior to me, but also he was like what we call the 20 year rookie. It doesn't matter how many years on the job he's at. He just, he's going to make rookie mistakes. He went out and got a tattoo on his forearm that was visible in his class B's. And they realized that not having a policy was opening them up to anybody being able to do anything they wanted. So they wrote a policy that grandfathered those of us who had been hired before the policy in and made everybody else cover them up. And it was, it also covered no new tattoos. If you had the tattoo before you got hired, it was fine, but you couldn't get any new tattoos after you got hired that were visible. Otherwise then you had to cover them all up. So it's kind of this weird conservative old school policy. And yet what's funny is the girls violated it all the time by wearing sunglasses that were out of policy or one girl would wear braided pigtails and it was handlebars for a fight. You know, Um, she wore those stupid Jersey shore white sunglasses. And, you know, in California, there is a weird law that says that the sunglasses can't be wider than a certain distance or a certain measurement at the temple because it blocks your peripheral vision. She was wearing sunglasses that were illegal for, you know, regular motorists and she was wearing them on patrol, you know? Yeah. But nobody would say anything about that. However, they would say stuff about, you know, people with tattoos. So I could totally understand where people who have come from agencies where they develop policies, sometimes those policies are not necessarily enforced equally and they're designed to just target certain people, similar to what you're saying, where this policy was designed to help certain people. And your buddy was like, screw it, I'm just going to exploit the hell out of it. Yeah. Yeah. And, the agency I was working at, <clears throat> they started to change probably around the same time that CHP was changing theirs. They started to change, but they said only certain people could have the certain haircuts. And then the females, if they were aligning with more of a, a male side, they could have, they could shave the side of their heads. They could have spiky Yikes. hair and stuff like that. But no, but you couldn't, you, a, a male couldn't do that. A male couldn't, right. you know, have really long hair, this crazy big, pompadour stuff even though some would kind of ride that line and we're like what the heck and they developed they had this other policy for sunglasses things like that if they were eccentric you couldn't wear them and i'm like but you can have eccentric hair which i thought was crazy if you were a female and i'm like but the males can't and like and a lot of copper started um bucking against that and we're like no well if, if they're going to say something to me. They're going to have to say something to her because right. that hair is way too long. It's like really long and super spiked up. And then and just got like a mohawk type of thing. And it was getting ridiculous. And then their facial hair standards were, you know, you have to have, you can't, uh, the, the, the mustache can't go, you know, below the, the lip line the mouth, and stuff like that. Yet Cyburns can't knows. go below the lobe of your ear. Right. But you saw people all turn with these big chops and, and mm-hmm. you saw motors with these big gnarly mustaches. And no one would say anything to them. It was like the motor mustache. So I had this really gnarly mustache and, you know, I try to keep it well groomed and, you know, it, it looked, it looked nice and presentable. You know, I could still don and clear my, my gas mask if I needed to. Um, and it, it was presentable in a way, but it was still kind of, kind of big. And I remember there was a few guys at my station they had big mustaches. No one ever said anything to them and they would single me out because one of the higher ups didn't really like me. Um, I don't know why, I guess it was from a private previous uh, higher up. I can't give away ranks and stuff, but, uh, and I was like, well, this is kind of bullshit. I'm getting singled out. And the moment I started like, Hey, that's kind of messed up. Mm -hmm. You're coming after me, but you're not going after all those guys. And I was naming them off. And I'm like, that's kind of, 
that's kind of discriminatory in a hostile work environment. The moment I uttered those words, boom, they stopped and left me alone. And I was like, dude, I even had a supervisor. So come up to me so hard and was like, you need to shave that. And was like giving me shit until I finally like shaved it off. And I was like, dude, this is ridiculous. I had to switch areas just to get away from this guy. Mm-hmm. It was, it was getting so bad. And like, I was a total dickhead, but I was able to confirm the CHP stuff. I called a buddy of mine mm-hmm. who was top tier, you know, higher up in CHP for many years. And he was able to confirm everything. He said, no, this is legit. Those are real haircuts. Everything that you're seeing on the internet with, with these snapshots of like people with shaving the sides of their heads, doing these crazy, like Viking braids down the back of their head. Those are all legit haircuts and they are allowed to because Newsom has passed this bill and he got really angry. He's like, this is bullshit. There needs to be exemptions for law enforcement. This is crazy. Like this is just totally out of control. And then he went in to talk about Newsom and how horrible that guy is and, (laughs) and how the officers assigned to his detail are having forced overtime to work these details to protect him because of all the death threats that he's getting. And Newsom then went said, when we come home, if you see us and my family, we do not want to see you. You have to disappear. We're not, we don't want to see police, but you have to protect us. Like how we used to work overtime at his house. We couldn't even use the restroom inside the residence. That's wild, man. So what am I supposed to, so, you know, you pee on the governor's tree. I guess that's He's what you a jag do. Off. He's a jag <laughs> off. He, uh, somebody told me that Gavin Newsom, and I've said this before, but Gavin Newsom looks like uh, a nineties action movie villain. Yeah, it's true. It does. So I wanted to get into the, so here's what I really wanted to get into um, because that picture, you know, it got a lot of comments um, and, you know, uh, the funny ones, like, uh, I don't think it looks too bad on her, you know, um, (laughs) hashtag no man buns. um, Hashtag. She looks nice. You know, this guy's name is Chipper Lance. uh, The West Hollywood unit. Um, but there are some interesting ones that I thought we would talk about, which is, um, for example, one of our, our listeners, BC white official said, uh, this is a ploy to weaken law enforcement when in reality, the feds need to be defunded and the street cops need to be more aggressive with training and standards. I want wood batons, clean shaven and wool long sleeves back. So I understand that's a very old school take on it. But then you've got another listener who said, I don't see it getting in the way of tactical performance. And if a female can have long hair and keep it back above the nape of her neck, then why not? If a dude with a man bun is reliable and covers my six like he's supposed to, I don't care how it looks. Um, And then this guy says, uh, Mr. Tree says the haircut in and of itself does not make someone a better or worse cop, just like tattoos. The mere presence of this haircut or tattoos doesn't affect how good of a, or bad of a cop someone is that being said i don't think this haircut looks good and comes off as unprofessional in my agency this wouldn't violate the policy because it's basically a high and tight just long on the top so then it's negative on the top knot it looks dumb but it i don't see a problem if it doesn't affect their job so it's you know everything ranging from wtf to i totally support this and i thought we would get into a little bit of because I've been at the forefront of the tattoo policy debate. Um, and I wrote a paper on it for college on should tattoos be allowed in uniform? Um, the question is, are we at a crossroads culturally where we can start recognizing that our standards of grooming can be altered a little bit? And if so, how much is too much? Yeah. I mean, you you said your department allows full beards growing up like there was no flipping way that a cop could have a beard. You know, my dad came from the Adam 12 era. You had a that's why the cop mustache is the cop mustache, because you were only allowed to have it grown out to a certain point. So every cop grew it Magnum P.I. style. They grew it out as far as they could. And then that was it. You know, you couldn't have a goatee. You couldn't have a beard. You could get written up for going into work without without being, you know, clean enough shaven. Yeah. You know, I mean, and that I. So for me, I don't grow a beard particularly because I still do believe in I want my gas mask to fit. That's the only I would grow a beard. But because I still have, I guess, somewhat of a tactful mind that I still keep that as my my thought of it. 
I'm like, okay, I can grow a goatee and I can still put on my gas mask and I'm good to go. Um, right. I'm not going to sell someone not to, to wear, you know, or to shave a certain way. That's totally their choice. Um, but when I think of our job, if what you're doing is going to affect your job, then it needs to be your decision to go, Hey, I need to, I need to check myself. Um, like we were talking about with, if you have long hair and it's put in a way that is going to be a tool against you in a fight, then maybe you shouldn't be doing it that way. Even if policy says that you can, cool, absolutely. Policy says you can because they're worried about a lawsuit for discrimination or not allowing people to do things. That's a totally different world. When we're talking about being a police officer and what's most safe for you, that's when you need to check yourself. Yeah, that's the, you were so busy worrying about if you could, nobody decided whether or not you should. Exactly. And, and that's, that's our job of being our own keeper. Um, as far as tattoos, I, I still believe in a professional image. And as long as I, some tattoos probably shouldn't be exposed to the public. Absolutely not. Some people I, like there's guys that I work with and I'm like, yep, that tattoo probably shouldn't be visible. If you have nudity, if you have any graphic or, you know, off-putting tattoos, um, then maybe you should question whether you want to expose that to people. Um, just because it also that that first interaction with the public, you're now showing them that they're looking at that and they're making an assumption on how you are as a person. I'm already at a, at a fault right now. I'm white. Okay. So I walk up to a car. I'm a white cop. I already have something going against me. Okay. So do you want to add to that? That's a question for you, but I don't have a problem with you showing tattoos considering the public right now, everybody has tattoos. Right. You know, it's, it's become a part of our culture, which right. is totally but, accepted. But what you're talking about is professionalism, right? The, a professional yeah. appearance, right? Exactly. I think that's the, the point you're getting at. And, you know, I, I agree with you. you you're going to have a cop show up with a swastika tattooed on his forearm or, uh, you know, you're going to have a cop show up with uh, a naked woman, you know, shoving a oh, snake really? up her crotch or, you yeah. know, now this is the this is the messed up part. This shouldn't be a hard issue, right? It should be pretty easy. If you have a bulldog that says USMC. If you have a, a an American flag, if you have, you know, hell, if you have Felix the cat, you know, like yeah. these are tattoos that should be no brainer. Okay, it's fine. And and I think to a certain extent, this should be the same way with like hair and with facial hair and, and you know, head hair. If you can look professional and it doesn't interfere with your job then it should be within reason allowed. But like you said, if you have dreadlocks that look like they have, you know, homeless people living in them and you stink or you're leaving, you know, dirt trails wherever you go, because you're not, because let's face it, there are people who have clean dreadlocks and there are people who have dirty stank dreadlocks, right? Yep. There are people that I, I know guys that had short hair that couldn't keep it clean. You know, so I think that's, if I'm not mistaken, is what you're coming down to. It is professionalism. It should be something that we can all easily agree on. But unfortunately, what we're then going to run into, I think, and what we have run into is somebody saying, well, who are you to decide what is, you know, offensive? Who are you to decide what is, uh, you know, because somebody has a cross, right? They have the, the cross tattooed on them and it's a symbol of Christianity, and then somebody else has Baphomet, the symbol of Satanism. Yeah. The guy who has the Satanist tattoo could could argue reasonably, hey, it's a religious tattoo, just like the cross. It, it, and you can't declare one religious symbol offensive and the other not offensive. But that should be a no brainer. That's that's where we're going to get into this right. messed up quagmire of people trying to argue opinion and say, well, who gets to decide what's offensive and what's professional? Yeah. I think that everybody, the person that actually decides it is yourself. And you darn well know what is technically professional because professionalism is based on the moral, the, the majority of what is considered normal, right? That's I don't think we have that, that anymore. You still have it. So the one thing that I, I did appreciate about like CHP, they, they liked to um, pull from tradition. Tradition can hold people and, you know, hold you back, 
but also tradition can ground you and give you roots. Sure. And sticking with the roots of tradition, especially in a professional atmosphere, and, and what we do in law enforcement, we are the professionals. This is our profession, and you should respect it as a profession. You don't see a right. CEO walk into a Fortune 500 company wearing board shorts and flip-flops. Okay, well, maybe sometimes. Facebook. But majority of the time, they go into a board meeting, you're in a three-piece suit, brand new freaking shoes, looking sharp with a tie on because you respect yourself and you respect the company that you're walking out there for. And that's, that's what it's based off of. And if you don't have the respect for your department, then maybe that's why you're doing what you're doing and not holding yourself accountable, even though the policy technically allows you to. Here's my whole take on this. I'm a bit of old school and a new school mentality. My new school mentality is I think tattoos, tasteful tattoos, there should be a policy if you're going to allow tattoos. And I think there, you should be able to allow sleeves um, in uniform because it only humanizes the police officer because everyone has them nowadays. It's not as taboo as it was, you know, 20, 30 years ago. I think you should be able to show them 100% and not have to wear long sleeves to cover them up. Um, but I think that there should be a policy drafted regarding tasteful tattoos, what you can show, what you can't show as a tattoo. Um because it could be offensive. So any type of offensive, just like offensive language and things like that, you draft a policy against that. But I think tattoos should be shown. The other old school mentality is I think men officers, male officers should have certain grooming standards that they should keep by. I don't think it's professional to see a cop with long hair show up. Definitely not a man bun. Also, if I'm a criminal or just a straight asshole and I'm looking to fight a cop, I'm going to go for the one that looks as soft as possible. And I'm not going to go to the one who's, who's looking sharp, got muscles, got tattoos, you know, squared away in his uniform. I'm not going to go mess with that guy. I'm going to go for the one that looks sloppy, who has long hair, definitely a man bun. And that's who I'm going to go and go after because they look soft. They don't look like they have their shit squared away. And to me, I, I don't think men should have that type of haircut. Um, and, and, you know, like I, that's my old school thought on it. Um, this whole drafting a policy for me of, you know, you know, certain people have to, you know, we're going to allow Afros and things like that. Okay. I don't care about the Afros. I think that's kind of cool uh, because back in the seventies when my dad was a police officer, when he worked for state police, before he went to the ZHP, um, he had an Afro. I think that's cool. I thought it was really awesome. So I don't care like about a Bob that. Ross Afro. <clears throat> yeah. <laughs> yeah, we have really curly hair on, on our side of the family. It's, it's, it's ridiculous. But I don't think that's an issue. I, I do think when you start allowing long hair, like with females with really long hair and it's not kept up, that's a weapon that can be used against you. And I have a tactful, tactful mindset, just like you were saying, um, where if it's a tool that can be used against you, it shouldn't be allowed in uniform because it's just a tool against you. Um, you know, it's, it's the same, the argument where keeping your, 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 your mic up here on a, on a cord can be used to strangle you. I never wanted to rock one because I never wanted to have it used against me. I would have a lapel mic and an earpiece that was under my uniform that you could not use against me. Um, and even if you tried, it would snap. So I, that's my kind of take on it. Like I, I have the old school mentality as well as some new school mentality. I also think, you know, get a little bit laxer on like mustache and things like that, because I've been a victim of that. And it's ridiculous. Um, you should be able to have a mustache because it doesn't matter how big it is. I think it looks awesome and it only makes you look more intimidating. And as a police officer, you don't want to look like a soup sandwich. You want to, want to be a target. I also think that minimal beards or goatees, as long as it doesn't interfere with gas mask operations, you should be able to rock it because it only humanizes you as an officer and as a human being when you're dealing with the public. I think that is completely presentable and appropriate um, because it just makes you more approachable. And that's what you need nowadays as an officer is approachability. And I think that's really important. I do not think all these photos that I've seen, most of them, I think are ridiculous and are eccentric. And if you're going to draft a policy regarding certain things, I don't think it needs to go full bore. I think reel it, reel it back a little bit and, and still take a professional approach to it. And I think right now there isn't really a professional approach to it. And it's kind of all over the place. And to me, it looks sloppy and it, it, it's an officer safety issue. Um, and that's my tactical mindset coming out. And I, I think it can be used against the officer. So my, I'm, I am of many 
minds on this. I, I like you, Chuck. I have my old school, like the way I grew up, the way I envision cops, shiny shoes, leather belts, polished badge, you know, Adam 12 era. But I also sharp. recognize, yeah, yeah, it does look sharp. But I also recognize <laughs> that, you know, like you look at the, the the 300, you had guys with long hair, you guys with beards, you know, the, in that movie. And none of them presented an image that was weak or, 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 you know, now granted that's a movie, but my point is, is that there are ways that you can portray beards, long hair, things like that, and still come across as professional or tough. And I'll give you my, for instance, um, because I, I can honestly say that I know from firsthand experience, this is a thing, right? So would you rather have, and, and you know, the hair hat, right? Guys that shave their head all the way up to a hard line. And then they grow like a, an eighth of an inch of hair in this perfect little yarmulke that sits on top of their head. Like, you know, a lot of guys in the military, a lot of SWAT guys, you know, they just, it's this little hat of hair. There's no fade. There's no, like, it's just this step from completely shaved to hair. I think it looks ridiculous. I've always thought it looks ridiculous. I think it looks silly, but it's allowed. It's in policy. It's, They'll technically a legitimate haircut. Now, let's say you take a guy who is some white dude, has the traditional high and tight hair hat. He's a little overweight. His uniform's a little wrinkly. He's got some like dandruff and and some food stains and and you know, kind of looks a little bit sweaty. And maybe his his white t-shirt is a little too, you know, big. So it's you know, you know how I'm talking about the guys that their white t-shirt hangs down and yeah. Yeah. You take that guy, right? Everything he's wearing is technically in policy, but he looks like a soup sandwich. Then let's say, and I'll add a cultural angle to this because I think in some instances it does make a difference. Let's say a Asian guy shows up and he's yoked and his uniform's completely clean and pressed. And he's got a top knot similar to a samurai, right? But everything else, there isn't a hair out of place. His uniform, his, you could freaking slice paper on the creases on his uniform. Honestly, if I looked at those two cops showing up together, I would gravitate towards and think that the guy with the top knot is the more professional and more squared away of the two, even though technically he's violating my I hate the top knot policy because overall he presents a more professional, more groomed, more squared away image. Than the guy who maybe has the right haircut, but everything else looks like a soup sandwich. So I tend to lean towards the, like what you're saying, Dylan, which is, you know, there's that, there's that internal voice. There is that, like, like we've all seen people that have tattoos and look completely squared away. We've all seen people that have piercings and look completely squared away. We've all seen people that have, you know, blue hair and look completely square. You know, there's, there's guys that are in, you know, rockabilly bands and they dye their hair, all these crazy colors, but it's well-groomed and combed and quaffed. And they're, you know, their jeans are, their jeans are freaking ironed. Right. And then you see a guy that is in like a metal band and he's got long scraggly ass hair and flip-flops with sandals and basketball shorts, you know? So I feel like if you're portraying an image that is squared away, and clean and professional that's more important to me than anything else but there is a line of extreme that like i said i wouldn't want to see a cop and i i you know when i was in a punk band in my teenage years i had blue hair right but i wouldn't i would never wear blue hair as a cop because I would want people to take me seriously right out the gate. And I know that that would be, like you said, a hindrance. It would be a, one more hurdle that I'm putting in my own way to have to overcome when I show up on a call. It would give them something to talk about other than, hey, sit down and shut the fuck up. You know, my tattoos did that for me. There were guys be like, oh, my God, hey, that's a cool tattoo. And I, I would usually say, hey, are we in my backyard drinking beers and having a barbecue? No. Okay. Well, when we are, we can discuss my tattoos for right now. It's officer Gandhi. Sit down and shut up, you know? And so I understand what you're saying, Dylan, you have to have a judgment call, but that's where I get stuck in this quagmire of 
if it's clean and professional, maybe now the modern standards are such that doesn't matter how ridiculous it looks. Maybe we do have to make, like Chuck said, humanize us, make us seem more accessible, not quite so, you know, I don't know, militaristic. I, I don't know. What do you guys think? Yeah, I can agree. I, I get the point where we, we do need to evolve with changing times. That's, that's what it is. Um, looking at it from our perspective and what we've been talking about, that makes sense. But if we take it as to a point where, you know, now you're getting to a point where you want to be in administration, think of the headache that that's going to be. You have 120 officers at your office that you're dealing with and you have to go down the line and go, all right, your look, eh, it looks professional. Hey, uh, no, that doesn't look good. You need to fix this and it'll look professional. Hey, buddy, that's a little off. If you fix that, it'll be professional. Now that's that's before roll call. You right, know? and how do you make those calls when you don't look that way or, or you have a look that's arguably not? Uh, perfect example, if you had a gold tooth, because you're, you got dental work done and you had a gold to- a tooth replaced with a gold tooth because that's what the dentist did or whatever. Is that unprofessional? Not necessarily. No. But if you had a gold grill, is that, un- I mean, that's probably, you know, but so it's this weird, like, it, it's almost like that idea of art. I don't know what it is, but I know it when I see it. Yeah. I can't, I, there's, a, there's an element of that to it, I think. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. I can agree with that. It's, it's a, it's a hard one to allow. There's so many different variables of what people are trying to test the waters of that it opens up almost, you know, too many possibilities of what's unprofessional and what is professional. Right. But emotionally, I'm still connected to that Adam 12. Like I emotionally, I still want cops that are five ten and above high and tight, squared away uniforms, leather gear that's polished, no nylon. Like I never wore nylon. Yeah. And it, it used to irritate me. Like I was like, no, dude, I want people to hear that leather and hear the creak. And it looked the professionalism of a shine leather belt. And stuff. But if guys wanted to wear nylon, it was not a big deal. What I actually got more pissed off about was when guys would have like two pieces of leather gear on a belt that was all the rest of it was all nylon. And it wasn't like uniform. That yeah. was more that was more frustrating to me than say, you know, some guy has a bunch of nylon gear and then he's got a taser holster and a firearms holster that are basket weave. And it's like, dude, like wear your shit away. Yeah. But what do you say to that guy when he's the best fucking operator on your team? Well, and that (laughs) this fucking dude, he knows exactly what the fuck he's doing. And what do you say then? But see, that's the thing is I'll go, dude, it's too bad your freaking belt isn't as squared away as your freaking shooting. Yeah. <laughs> you know, I, I, but how much of that, how much of that is us being fuds? How I like, like I'm, I'm older than either one of you guys and I'm, I'm, I'm prone to be more old school, but you guys still, because you came up through the same system I did, I can hear it. You guys are also just as old school in, at your hearts as I am. So. <clears throat> I would adopt more military style to it because Marine Corps and stuff like that. Now, Marine Corps, when I came in, you could have tattoos. And then I became victim of the tattoo policy where you can't get any more. You can't show them in your Charlies. Um, They have to be, you know, they have to hide by your short sleeves. And we all had like sleeves and stuff like that or tattoos showing. But we were kind of grandfathered in. Um, And I do think, and here's here's the military side of me, looking sharp in your leather gear, polished boots, pressed uniform, wool uniform, you know, either short sleeves, long sleeve with tie or whatever looks really solid. You look really great. Yes. You're, you put your medals on or your ribbons or, or your ribbons on, I'm sorry, not medals, but your ribbons on looks fucking sharp. However, to tactically operate in that is very difficult. You rip shit all the time. Your pants blow out in the crotch, especially if you work out. Yeah. You don't um, wear your dress blues into, to an amphibious landing. Right. <laughs> Um, so in the military, oh, you wear these, you, you wear these fucking, these badass uniforms for balls, for, for, for things that you need to look professional when you're operating, right. Right. you're wearing your camis, you're wearing, um, you're wearing a, a, a type of work gear, utilities, you a, a, a vest, you know, you, uh, over, you know, the, the, the body vest that you're wearing with sappy plates and shit like that. Well, I think as a, in, a, in, a, in an agency, a police agency, 
having either leather gear, nylon gear, or vinyl gear is completely okay. If you're in one of those, um, if you're wearing a BDU and out of the uh, over the vest carrier with your 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 um, bulletproof vest in there, so that takes a lot of the weight off of your your hips and your back right, in the field. And it front floats. I think that looks fucking sharp. I don't think it looks sloppy, and I would prefer that over dress uniforms to patrol in because I think it's more functional, it's more tactical, and it's just functionally better. And you're gonna not hurt yourself as much. Your back's going to get saved a lot more. Your hips are going to get saved. But you don't wear it to an award ceremony or to a funeral or to a no, memorial. No, you would right. wear your dress uniforms. Right. I agree. I agree with that. And and here's here's another one, like with tattoos, where you got to use your, your best judgment. I have a thing about face, neck, and hand tattoos, right? I also have a thing, right? But Chuck's got a, a you know a tattoo that, that's like a ring, you know? And <laughs> it covers, you know, the knuckle on his finger where a ring would be um, versus like, you know, Matt has tattoos literally on his knuckle on all, you know, of his knuckles and on the backs of his hands. You know, it's the same thing here. You're um, you're kind of running into that territory of if it's reminiscent of the other side of the equation, if they're gang tattoos, if they're prison tattoos, if there are things that are traditionally associated with those kinds of people, bikers, felons, you know, okay. Now, again, we're into that. You got to use judgment and maybe it doesn't matter. You know, I know LAPD had a thing where guys were going into narco and then while they were in narco, they would get a bunch of like gang style tattoos so they could blend in really easily. And then they'd get out of narco and go back to patrol and have all these gang tattoos in uniform. And that was, you know, that was part gang, of the reason. gang style, like a, there's yeah. a style behind it, like the the old, yeah. like, um, yeah, you know, they're not actually in gangs, they're not but, gang tattoos. No, but you, you see what I'm saying? Like when you have those, right. those spider webs on your elbows, that has a very specific connotation. Right. When you have a teardrop next to your eye, that's a very specific connotation, you know? Um, I, so I feel like there's that element of, it's funny. We can all agree on what's the standard of reasonableness, right? Reasonable suspicion versus probable cause. What's amazing to me is why we can't then all agree that maybe the tattoo and hair standard should be one of reasonableness, right? Why can't we get to a place where we'd say, okay, any reasonable person would look at that and say that that looks professional and is not controversial and is not offensive. If a reasonable person would not be offended or, or be distracted or, or think that that's a safety issue, then it's allowed. But if it's a, if there's a standard of reasonableness and who knows, maybe you come up with a panel at each department that's made up of like an administrator, a street cop and two civilians. And they make the decisions. If there's a, you know, Hey, this, this guy, wants to appeal the decision to make us make him hide this tattoo. And if the panel says, no, that tattoo is fine, then it's fine. And if the panel says it's not fine, then it's not fine. I don't know. I don't know what the answer is, but there has to be some sort of standard of reasonableness that we can employ that prevents us from having like a girl with giant white dreadlocks halfway down her back that somebody could swing her around on a call. And now I've got to save her life because she's getting her ass kicked by her own hair. Which was a, a real photo. Yeah, that's I was referencing that photo. Saved and <laughs> yeah. braided all the way down, but their braids were like dread braids and yeah, going down the middle of her back towards yeah, her ass cheeks. She just needs to tuck it into her vest. I mean, maybe. Maybe that's the solution. Like, okay, I don't care if it's uncomfortable, right? Like, that you want to have that hair, you know? I don't know. I don't know what the answer is. I just know that that photo was like, what the hell is happening? We got a we got a thing from uh, one of our listeners in Canada about the Canadian military doing the same thing with their grooming standards and getting very lax on it. It's the the way the world is going right now. Uh, that's not man. That's a whole different topic. The military and what they're doing right now. Oh. But they need another topic. Help. help. Another they day. Help. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So. But uh. Anyway. Well, we appreciate you coming on, man. I'm glad to, I'm glad everything's working out for you where you're at. That's awesome. Yeah, yeah I'm definitely I'm I'm glad I, I took the, the leap of faith, I guess. Yeah. Are you gonna be a motor out there? 
Um, well, they actually have a motorcycle out there right now. Um, it's but it's electric. They had this like weird. Oh, no. Yeah, it's like an electric motorcycle. And I was like, all right, I'll drive this thing around occasionally just so I can like get the community to see like, you know, a motorcycle officer and, you know, get the get the feel goods going. And then I'll, I'll get them to get me some real motorcycles so I can train some guys. So have they been allowing you to be on it? Yeah, yeah. I can I can go and ride it because I'm I'm still my certificates that I have for like being a motor for the highway patrol and like being a um a motorcycle training officer, it still is valid out here. Oh so, cool. so I can still do all the training and stuff like but that. But they don't actually have a formal motor position. So you're no. just kind of they they used to have motors, but um the the only death in the entire department since its creation was a motor officer. Oh, so they're a little yeah, they're they're gun shy. it's it stems back to obviously that death, but it also comes back to the liability aspect and the insurance of it all. Sure. And right. I told them I was like, well, that comes down to actually training your officers to properly Correct. ride. Right. And that that's where you mitigate your liability. Right. Having right. having guys that can, you know maneuver those bikes through those cone patterns like a boss and, and lay it down on purpose instead of uh, you know going high side over the handlebars and you know things, right. things that you're supposed to learn when you go to motor school yeah yeah it's kind of important now well, is we appreciate- crime crazy out there i'm sorry that's oh, okay um yeah, yeah it's dude it's houston so like i mean the area that like my we like the the bubble that we live in or where my department's at is you know, like it, it is a very special place and we keep it really clean. We do a very good job of keeping it clean, um, but we still get the flow over from the inner city. And like, I mean, literally you go, you go a block, you know, two blocks down, you could end up in the ghetto. You know, it's, it's, you know, right across the river, there's, you know, shitbird alley and you're dealing with that coming in. Sure, now. Some people get, are coming in for Berg's people are coming in for, yeah. Yeah. We you got a, people that are, that are do, using drugs. They're going out into the ghetto to get drugs. They might have people coming in to deliver drugs that. Yeah. Yeah. I pop people with, I get all kind of like transport and guns, drugs, whatever. Like, I mean, we had a big thing of heroin and fentanyl coming through because the freeway is right above us and they exit and go down through the city main veins to get down into the ghetto. So we get that coming through. And then we also like the city's crazy. They have over it was like thirty nine um, Axon ALPR cameras. So we get hits on stolen vehicles, people wanted, um, sex offenders, whatever you want. You know, we have a hot list that we type in. You know, if we want to, we have a vehicle that's a suspect vehicle for something. Boom, we type it in. It alerts us that whenever they come into our city, we can go and snatch them, knock them down, and figure out what we want to do with them from there. Nice. It's it's honestly super awesome. Like with solving crimes that like you would have never thought. Like we had a robbery at a house, and there was like no follow up. There was basically no follow up to figure out. We just figured out a timeline when it possibly occurred. We checked the cameras during that timeline, ran basically every single vehicle that went through a certain cameras, and we were able to locate the vehicle that we wanted. Nice, nice. So it, it's definitely pretty neat that way. Well. Uh... You know, uh, normally our guests uh, are going to be the ones picking their dedication, but I guess, Chuck, you have our dedication for this episode. I do. <clears throat> uh, police officer Caesar Echi Achavari um, succumbed to his gunshot wound sustained two nights earlier near the intersection of Northwest 62nd Street and Northwest 7th Avenue while chasing a robbery suspect at 8.50 p.m., a vehicle that had been a- involved in an armed robbery in Danny Beach earlier the evening was observed driving in Miami-Dade and fled when officers attempted to stop it. Officers pursued the vehicle until it crashed into a light pole. The driver exited the vehicle and fled on foot. As Officer Achavari and other officers pursued him on foot, the man opened fire, striking Officer Achavari before um, he was killed by return fire. Officer Achavari was transported to Jackson Memorial Hospital, where he succumbed to his wounds the following evening. A second suspect in the initial robbery was shot and killed the following day as a SWAT team attempted to take him into custody at a local hotel. Officer Chavery had served with the Miami-Dade Police Department for five years and was assigned to the robbery intervention detail. He was 29 years old, five years tour, and his badge number is 6779. Oh, rest easy, brother. We got it from here. 
And like I said, we'll, we'll keep doing those as long as we have to, but let's hope there's one day where we don't have to do those anymore. Oh, well, uh, Chuck, why don't you, uh, why don't you take us out and tell everybody what's sure. there? Uh, real quick, Dylan, we'll have to have you back on for uh, some of those crazy stories that um, are happening out in there in, uh, in the in Houston Texas. area. Yeah. Yeah. That'd be great. And, uh, you know, stay above water right now. Yeah. <laughs> we're well, gonna get through now we'll see if there's a hurricane coming anytime soon right, right exactly well thank you all for listening today if you like today's podcast please go follow us on our instagram at war underscore stories underscore official and our facebook at war stories podcast if you already follow us and share our posts and our info you can also go to the link in our bio on instagram and facebook to reach all of our socials our media and our website our podcast is on all major podcasting platforms as well as on youtube if you want to support us, please go to our website at www.warstoriesofficial.com. Grab some gear. We still have some Wooby hoodies, shirts, patches, and stickers left. Um, we're going to have those uh, tank tops coming soon and the hats. Um, if you want to be featured on our show and you think you have a story you want to share, please go to booking.warstories at gmail.com. Again, that's booking.warstories at gmail.com and send me your info and your story and I can get you booked. We are looking for law enforcement officers, correction officers, dispatchers, firefighters, medics, and veterans. If you have a friend who you think would be a great fit, let them know about us and give them our booking email. Again, that's on our it's uh, on our link in our bio on Instagram and Facebook. If you can't remember, booking.warstories at gmail.com. If you've already been on the show and you want to come back on the show, please email me there and uh, we can discuss everything and give me anyone you think would be a good person, a good fit on the show and uh, give me their info, but please do a... Um, uh, introduce us that'd be great yeah um again thank you for the support would help and stay safe it would help. right and again dylan thanks come back anytime man we always we always love having you on how's the how's the are you still competing yeah i'm uh i'm planning on doing a show next year i'm taking i took like a year and a half two years i'm gonna just kind of build up and get ready to, to look good well, on stage moving and changing jobs and all that kind of stuff you know yeah. you gotta you got to take a little breather and, and not drive yourself crazy because competing at the same time, but uh, you'll have to let us know when you're competing again. And we'll, uh, we'll make sure that you're, uh, we'll, we'll rep it so people can uh, root for you. Yeah, absolutely. man. I always love the support. Uh, brother. Well, uh, thanks Dylan. And until our next episode, come home with your shield or honor.